Welcome everybody, Overflow Beyond the Music Season 4, and I'm going to tell you right off the bat, this is my, well, I'm not going to say it's my favorite episode, because that might not be fair, but this is definitely an episode that I have been excited about for a long time, and we were supposed to do the interview a few months ago, and we just had to reschedule it, and I'm telling you, ever since then, I have been so pumped, so pumped to have this guest on the podcast. Our guest today is Matt Redman. You probably read the show notes, which would indicate to you who the guest is, and I'm sure you figured it out by now. But Matt Redman, if you don't know him, he is the author and songwriter of the song 10,000 Reasons, Blessed Be Your Name, Praise You, recently, um, oh my goodness, Heart of Worship. The, the list just goes on and on, the songs that Matt Redman has written. He is, he is probably, and I don't use this word lightly, one of the pioneers of the modern worship movement. And his story is just incredible. And anyone who I've ever talked to about Matt Redman has always said that, get ready. Get ready to have to talk to him because he is just one of the greatest people you will ever meet. And you will absolutely love chatting with him. And I absolutely loved my time chatting with Matt on this podcast. So we won't delay too long before getting there. Just a couple quick reminders before we get right into the interview. If you are not following us already on Overflow BTM social media, that is at Overflow BTM on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, make sure you're doing so. We're always posting clips from the episode. If you're a fan of the show and you love it and you're listening to all these episodes and you see one of those come across your screen or your device or whatever, I would encourage you to like it, leave a comment on it, share it, and let's help spread the word because I'm loving doing these interviews and I really hope that they're encouraging some people. I really hope some people are listening and enjoying it. And we just really love more people to hear about it. So make sure you help us out with that. That is always very much appreciated. A couple of things are interesting. You know, I've been hearing some some rumblings about some solutions, I guess, to this whole COVID thing where it comes to live concerts, you know, churches trying to figure out ways to meet together. A lot of it's been done online, but that only can last so long. And yeah, I've heard about, you know, some artists like Toby Mac and Newsboys wanting to do something that would be like a drive-in type thing, uh, concert. Not really sure how that all look, but I don't know. Does that does that seem like something that, that'll work? I, it might. It might not. I, I don't know. It might not be. But then again, I don't like going to concerts anyways. And that's crazy to say, like, as a guy who interviews music musicians and loves playing and leading worship and all that stuff, concerts are just typically not my thing. And, and it's not that they're I don't like live music. I love live music. I feel like just like the whole like rush of I don't know, you know, it, it just feels like one of those things that ask a football player or whatever. It's like if you play football, the last thing you really want to do on your time off is go watch people play football. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I've lost my mind. Maybe this thing will work. And, and trust me, this is not a knock to them at all. And uh, I want to encourage you to go check it out, go support what they're doing. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate anybody who's going to be creative and try and find ways of doing something fresh in a season like we're in now, because I guess something is better than nothing. And I know some churches have been doing some drive-in sort of worship stuff, and that, that's been kind of cool. Um, and and maybe that's different. I don't know. I, I would have trouble like lifting my hands, like really getting into worship while sitting in my car, mostly because my car is tiny and the roof was not 
going to be conducive to that. But at the same time, you know, I, I appreciate anyone who's willing to step out there and do something creative and try something new. So if you're able to, make sure you go support it and uh, and check that out. But um, a couple new things, new Bethel album coming out. Uh, it is called Revivals in the Air. I've heard a couple songs. Actually, I've heard the whole thing. It's a great album. And so make sure you check that out. They have been so good to us in, in allowing a lot of their artists to come on the podcast. And we deeply, deeply appreciate that. And uh, I think actually we're going to be doing Instagram Live coming up with someone from Bethel Music, which will be a ton of fun. But let's transition now because I loved this conversation with Matt Redman. He is just one of the greatest people I've, I've ever had the chance of connecting with. And um, he really treated me and treated me like a friend. And he was a complete stranger. I'm a complete stranger to him. But we just had a really good time talking and ended up actually talking off the air or off the air, off the recording for a little bit, just on Zoom and getting to know each other a bit. And he was just awesome. So you're going to love this. But it was really funny. When we start our interviews and the way I sync up the audio is I'll kind of count to three with the gas. I'll go one, two, three, and then we'll do like a really loud clap. And and we're supposed to kind of clap at the same time. It's never at the same time. But what it does is when I'm editing, I see a giant like spike in the wave. So I kind of know where the interview starts. And it helps me line everything up. So uh, our clap that we had was absolutely horrendous. We weren't even close to being on time. And so we start off the conversation joking about our attempt to sync the audio with a very off-time and out-of-sync clap. So here's my conversation with Matt Redman. I thought you were testing my musical rhythm skills. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a perfect way to start out is, is Matt Rev and yeah. I just did a little clap yeah. on, on air that wasn't quite in sync, but um, <laughs> we uh, I'm here on Zoom chatting with Matt Redman. How are you doing, man? I am great, thank you. Oh, man, it's an honor to be able to chat with you, an honor to have you on the podcast. Um, where, where in the world are you chatting with me from right now? I'm in Orange County, California. Okay. Um, we've been living here a few years. It's actually the second time we lived here. We came here for a sabbatical in 2001 mm-hmm. and had like six months here, which turned into nine months because we recorded a, an album here and then went back to England. Then we've lived in Atlanta to help plant a church there, yeah. back to England, and now we're out here again. So were you, um, were you part of helping to plant, plant Passion City Church out there? Yeah. So we moved to Atlanta for that. We'd been tracking with Louis and Shelley Giglio for a while and mm-hmm. um, did quite a bit of life, some travel and some passion yeah. conferences. So when they said they were going to plant a church, firstly, I nearly fell off my chair because that wasn't really on the radar. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and then, and the second thing Beth and I thought was, um, we need to pray about whether we go and support that. And we decided mm-hmm. we would. So we did two years out there. That was Great adventure. Had two kids born while we were there, right at the beginning and right at the end of being there. Amazing. So we've had, yeah, quite a bit of crisscrossing the Atlantic. I have some, um, maybe you know them, I have some friends that were, that went out to Atlanta for a short season. Um, The McClaries were out there for a while. Yeah. uh, I love Matt and Jill. They are, they are just salt of the earth people. Yeah, they're fantastic. They were kind of coming as we were leaving. uh, So, yeah, but... Yeah, and it, and it's uh, I love these adventures that you go on. We we've been part of a few church plants, different yeah. places, different expressions, different sizes, 
And it's really cool just seeing the gospel works, the kingdom bears fruit, and yeah. it's, it's wonderful. Well, tell me a little bit about, um, I mean, I want to go back in the journey a little bit. And, and I, know, I know you won't be offended when I say this. We have to go back a few, a few years and a few albums <laughs> to, go back, to, to go back to the beginning. But, I mean, I, I say that out of honor for, uh, for the longevity of the fact that, you know, you're, you're still writing worship music today that's touching the church. But take me, take me back to, to that moment, because I feel like we have that moment where, where we, we realize we can play guitar, yeah, or we realize we can sing, but you realize, wow, I think there's an anointing that's that's different, that's to do something, and you realize, oh my goodness, this is my sweet spot. That's really interesting. Was there a moment that you can pinpoint when you just when you just kind of felt like, I think this is what I'm born to do. That's such a good question, because I think at the beginning it's other people telling you that. Mm. You know, I mean, in fact, sometimes the worst people are the ones who are telling themselves that. Right. And then no yes. one else is affirming that on their life. Yeah. You know, and you, and your mum doesn't count. You know, it can't just be your mum and you. Yes, exactly. It has to be more people than that. <laughs> and that's kind of what happened for me where I had a great youth leader. I had a great pastor. I was in a church where young people got encouraged to do stuff. Mm-hmm. So from pretty early on, I was getting thrown up the front. You know, by the age of 15, I was leading in the main services at church. Wow. And looking back now, I, I'm... I'm thinking, they're crazy. What were they doing? Yeah. They were putting me in this situation where if it went great, I got encouraged. And if it went badly, they got the blame. Because why on earth were you putting this, this kid up there? Yeah. And, but actually, there was a lot of support. There was a lot of mentoring, character-wise and all sorts. And, um, yeah, and, I, and I, I fought pretty hard against leading worship in the beginning. I, didn't, mm. I wanted to just play the rooms in the songs in my room at yeah. home. I had no desire to be at the front. But of course, the moment I got up the front and did it and saw God move and God used me in that way, you know, I thought, this feels quite natural to me. Like you say, it's like the sweet spot is really interesting mm-hmm. way of saying it because um, it just felt like this seems to, it seems to go well and I enjoy doing it and I have a lot of ideas around what I'd like to do. I've got vision for this thing. Right. Um, and, and the really cool thing was it was a little moment in time where there was this movement in England called Soul Survivor, mm-hmm. um, which was just a, thousands of young people finding a new way to talk to God. And, yeah. and the music was right at the heart of that. And then the, the same time it was delirious. You know, they, they were taken off. So, and then there was a, the vineyard stuff in the UK with songs like Hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few other things. So there was this really amazing moment of momentum or groundswell or Godspeed, whatever you want to call it, yeah. that was happening in the UK. And it, was, and it was just a lovely moment to be in the middle of that. And, and I think the breakthrough really was with the songwriting, realizing, oh, okay, there's this new generation. We're going to need a new vocabulary. We're going to need new ways to express ourselves to God. And, and really the songwriting was at the front of that whole thing. Well, I think it's interesting because... I feel like we're on the verge of, of one now, but you know, I was in Toronto when when revival hit Toronto. I was I was too young to really remember it, but yeah, old enough you know, old enough to know people that were affected by it. Yeah, um, but it's you know, you think about we in America or Canada these vast land masses and America. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
Canada would be more like England, but even still closer to America than England would be in church culture. Yeah. But it's it's actually very not normal that people like yourself and Tim and um, oh, just all a, a plethora of worship leaders and songs and Martin and Delirious and and um, Nikki Gumbel and these influential yeah. leaders came out of such a small community, like they're not a massive country and also yeah. not a massively, um, I would say, uh, evangelical Christian culture. No, yeah, a much more secular culture, if you like. And then most of us were within an hour and a half drive of each other living in England. And there was a lot of unity, a lot of sharpening each other. Yeah. A lot of passing the baton on to each other. Some of the older guys, like Graham Kendrick, and that it was right. Yeah, it it was a it was a beautiful little moment. Yeah, and, it, and it's I love that cross pollination or whatever you want to call it when you have got the Hillsong stuff flying over from yeah from Australia. You have got American stuff coming to the UK because I grew up on purely American worship music. I mean, a lot of it was the Vineyard. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you got the English stuff flying out. I love that. That all this little thing. I tell you one thing happened cool recently. I thought when the Waymaker song yeah. took off all around the world, and you think here's a song that's come right from from uh, from Africa, and often it's been songs going the other way. This is a really beautiful moment because it's this number one, probably the most sung song right now. I don't yeah. know. Oh, yeah. I would guess. And definitely one of them. And it, and it's going the other way. And that that's a really beautiful sign. You know, it's it's great that you say that because I am noticing, and I, I had thought about this today and wasn't sure if I'd bring it up, but one of the things I'm noticing is I, I remember, and this is going back to Hillsong United's more than, was it the More Than Life album um, that I think it was Tim Hughes had sung Consuming Fire on it, or or just even going back to that yeah. sort of those days when you'd see the cross-pollination of, of you know, Australia and the UK and the US, it was almost like a big deal. Yeah. Like, oh, this is so cool. Chris Tomlin is singing on Matt Redman's album. Yeah. This is so cool. And you would notice it in a song. It's like, oh, Chris Tomlin and Matt Redman wrote this. How did they get together? And and now I'm looking at, at even, even uh, on the new record, Let There Be Wonder, I'm going like, there's Brandon Lake, there's, there's all these different writers and the yeah. cross-pollination of writers... Um, and worship leaders coming together is is a lot more prevalent now, which is great to see. What do you think the reason is for that? Um, like unity. There seems to be such a unity of culture. Yeah, and a lot of it is just the work of the Holy Spirit. I think, yeah. you know, for people to step outside of their own stream and do it on purpose. Like last time around, uh, with last record recorded, it was leaned into the kind of gospel world a bit. And that was very intentional because mm. i thought i've got all these friends but we never really do anything together we just right. have a nice hang and chat why don't we write and record and minister yeah. together so that was a really intentional thing and brandon lake's an interesting one because you know he's a worship pastor at seacoast mm-hmm. um in in carolina that and then and then he's um he's signed with bethel yeah but then he's singing with tasha cobbs so he, and and he then he's also elevation. showing up at elevation yeah so i love that because he got this Sometimes I love when you see people who are ministering across lots of different streams. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I would say that's probably been one of the biggest privileges of my life. To just to be, I've had weeks where I'm with a like real high Anglican 
expression. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, with a full on Pentecostal thing in the same week. And, and I love that. And, um, so I think it feels like the walls are coming down a bit and somehow the, sometimes the songs are the key to that. Some of these songs travel into areas of the church that you might yourself might not even be invited to, but the song's gone there, mm-hmm. you know, it says, yeah, it's interesting. Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, we some friends and I were, when we were just driving a kind of show to show, we were, had this discussion. We said, what, what are songs that you think pivotally changed the culture of worship? And we, we came up with shouts of the Lord and, yeah. um, and even going back, you know, there is a redeemer, like going way back to that. Yeah, yeah. And, and then did you feel the mountains tremble? And I said, 10,000 reasons was, is probably a more recent example where I saw a shift to um, hymn-like language structure, but just a really large importance on on vocabulary and and, and using some sophisticated vocabulary. And what, as you think about that song and how far it's carried, take me back to the day of of penning it and. And what's going through your head? Did you have an idea that there there was something special on it, or or tell me just a little bit about that moment in in Ten Thousand Reasons? So I was songwriting with my friend Jonas Myron, and uh, we used to get to uh, borrow this chapel in England. This I lived in this village, and there was this tiny little chapel. It was a hundred years old, and the they said to me, "You, you can have this whenever you want to songwrite." And there wasn't any, it wasn't like you have to be up by 5 p.m. We could write through the night if we wanted to. And mm-hmm. we didn't ever do that. But but this night, it was 1.30 a.m. Uh, Jonas had flown over from Sweden. So it's our last day of songwriting. And I really wanted to go home. I was tired. I'm thinking the kids are going to be up at 6.30. Yeah. And so I say, hey, mate, I'm going home. And he's like, oh, I just want to play you one more idea. And I was, I, I probably said three times now, I think I'm going to go home. And he's not really persistent like that. So I was thinking, okay, I better listen. Hmm. And he just brought out a piece of melody. And I realized straight away, oh, you know, we've been trying to write this Bless the Lord song. That's it. And it was interesting because then the verses flowed so quick. Um, you know, some, sometimes, uh, I think it's you too. They said sometimes songwriting is like a boxing ring and other times it's like a playground. Wow, and, yes. And, th- and this felt like a playground. It was just flowing so easily i mean for me blessed be your name was like a boxing ring it was three months of changing this changing that does this work does that work this is in this is out but with this one it uh, probably 75 percent of the song was there within an hour and then wow. um but the funny thing is i didn't really uh because it came so quickly i thought it wasn't finished <laughs> so we were about to record and I didn't even nearly play it to anyone, like the producer or the label or anyone else helping decide what songs went on. Because I was thinking, I don't think it's finished. It hasn't got a pre-chorus. It doesn't have a bridge. We wrote it in an hour and a half, you know. I mean, how, yeah, how, how finished can it be? Can finished? It be? And then, um, so I played it to Nathan Knuckles, who was producing. Mm-hmm. And and he, he's, he's not often the most kind of wordy guy, I mean, he said to me, I don't care what song we're dropping, but that one's going on the record. So that mm. was the first moment where I thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, and I'm actually the worst person anyway at figuring out. You mentioned Shout to the Lord earlier. 
Um, yeah. I remember my youth leader having to force me to lead that because I don't know why. I was just like, we've got enough songs already. We've got these, yeah. we're doing these delirious ones. We're doing yeah, yeah. whatever it was. I got these things and there's these vineyard things. I didn't think I had room for it. And, he, and in the end, he asked me three times, hey, maybe you could lead that. And the third time wasn't an ask. It was like, hey, we're leading that song on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And of course, it was the most amazing song we've ever led. And then a few years later, I, Tim Hughes was in our church as well. And he played me Here I Am to Worship. I was the only human who'd ever heard that song at the time. And I said to him, uh, yeah, it's quite good. I don't think it's as good as some of your others. And so on the strength of that, he put it away for six months. Um, then the pastor said one day, hey, have you got any other new songs? He played him that. It's like, Tim, that might be the best worship song I've ever heard. Why don't you play this to me sooner? And Tim's like, oh, Matt said it wasn't very good. So <laughs> got, got told off. Um, so how but, many other hits uh, have you shut down? Well, Heart of Worship, <laughs> I was, Heart of Worship, my own song, I was never, ever going to lead that. I thought it was just my own personal reflection. So I guess the point I'm making here is um, I'm not very good at figuring out which songs, um, you know, are, are really going to connect and stuff. But yeah, it's been amazing with that song. I just love that thing mm-hmm. of there's nothing complicated about it. It's just yeah. some simple chords and some truth and just amazing I, I don't know what it is sometimes when the sum of a song is greater than the parts. Hmm. You know, it's, it is some of those songs I already mentioned. It'd be hard to tie down, you know, how great is our God? You know, Chris's song yeah. with, with uh, a couple of other guys. What, it's hard to tie down. What is it about that song? Yes, it's a lovely melody. Yes, it's some great truth. But it's almost like the sum is greater than the parts. And that happens sometimes, and, and 10,000 reasons, yeah, definitely some of the stories that came back um, were, were wonderful. It's always exciting and always encouraging when stories and testimonies can can really put an exclamation mark on on what God is doing in the area of songwriting. And, you know, I think that for that song, it was a, a song for that time, that that's probably why it spoke to so many people. And as I think about that, and I think about your your time and the amount of songs you've written, is there another song that you can can kind of say, man, that that song was that was a God ordained time for that song to to come to life? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, blessed be your name would be one for me where we we came to America for sabbatical mm-hmm. and we were traveling, and then four days before we arrived, there was nine eleven. We were actually wow. going to be coming the, on the twelfth, but we couldn't fly out that early. So these four or five days after we we were on the, one of the first flights out of England. So we were on sabbatical, we were going around different churches, and I remember thinking, man, these these preachers are really saying some great stuff right now. They're speaking into the moment with compassion, with talking about God's sovereignty and all these different themes which are so helpful. Yeah. But where are the songs? It feels right. like we don't have a vocal. We're just singing the same stuff we sung before 9-11, but the whole nation's in shock right now. Mm-hmm. And there's churches, people are flocking to churches, haven't been to church for ages what do we have? What are we bring in for a moment like this? Where's the vocabulary? And that yeah. troubled me because I'm thinking, well, it's relevant right now to sing a song like that, but it's also hugely biblical. Like mm. Eugene Peterson, uh, late Eugene Peterson, he, he uh, estimated that 70% of the actual content of the Psalms was lament-based or crying out to God or when you're in a tough spot kind of thing. So 
Um, so if it's biblical and it's relevant, it's kind of weird we not, don't have this vocabulary. And so we wrote Blessed Be Your Name, mm-hmm. um, and, and I know a lot of it would have come from just all the thinking around that moment. And um, yeah, and then maybe for me, another one would be Face Down, where it yeah. was just this, just this, uh, I feel a bit similar now still, um, but just this whole, like, where's the reverence? You know, where's the mystery and the wonder? And this is like when I take my Bible and read it, and then I sing my songs, it, sometimes it feels like God light. You know, it feels like, of course, we're never going to be able to match scripture, but sometimes it feels like we weren't even trying. Yeah, like, absolutely. We're just singing about the friendly, warm, um, manageable parts of God. And we're not, we're not singing about the wild, mysterious depths of reverence and all that. And, and um, so that might be another one for me where it was like a, a little key marker in my own life. Well, you mentioned just having that reverence revelation and and leading into the making of Face Down and, and how that really impacted that. And I'm just wondering, is there any other moments in, in your life and in your journey? Because as you look at, at your journey, especially as one that's spanned decades and, and almost generations, you know, many people when they're in ministry that long and, and having the sort of influence and, and the anointing you carry, a lot of people talk about having a moment of crisis or... yeah. A moment that really just they need to step back and kind of just reevaluate, or sometimes a crisis of health, a crisis of faith for some, a crisis of family. Has there been a moment like that for you when yeah, yeah. you're almost feeling, I'm not, I'm not yeah. really sure, yeah, I can do this anymore. Yeah, great question. Um, I mean, I love, I love that I've got to do this for so long, and um, and part of that's just team and community, and yeah. You know, you just, I think if I've been sat in my own on a room in isolation for 20 whatever years, I don't think it would have been the same. A lot of it's been because of collaboration. You know, you do, it keeps a freshness, it keeps, um, you know, just it helps you keep moving forward and growing. And um, so that's been good. But as to your question, yeah, that's a really good question. I think. To be honest, maybe a couple of things come to mind. There was a really strange pressure after 10,000 Reasons. Like that next time around the mm. album came out. Because that song, it had momentum more than anything I'd ever seen. And I could feel from certain quarters, you know, just this slight pressure. And I just had to really remind myself almost daily for a little while there. This isn't you know you just do what you always did lean into god depend on him the results you're not yeah. responsible for the results don't go chasing it do do you find that do you find that maybe you took some of the pressure that was there and and added to it and maybe put pressure on yourself that didn't need to be there i don't know it's a good question i mean it was more just this daily thing of having to remind myself don't go doing things differently to how you did them before. Don't go chasing right. this thing or that thing yeah. or trying to make this happen or manipulate things. Just that, I think my kind of, um, the way I would always approach ministry, I hope was the doors God opens, no one can close. The doors God closes, no one can open. So mm. there's, a, there's a certain security in that of thinking, I can't make this happen anyway. So why don't I just obey and trust and depend and give it my best 
And then becomes this temptation sometimes to humanly, like, in the flesh, you know, just add to that. Well, God's not doing this, so maybe I could do this. And so that would be a key moment, I think. Um, I think another one would be a few years ago where... Um, so I have, like... Um, I have five kids. Wow, and my five. wife. And, and yeah. And there came a little moment where I... Where it become really obvious, I maybe have traveled too much, but also more than that, there's some areas of like emotional health and things that mm-hmm. I really need to get to. But I, you know, I'd lost my dad when I was seven years old. Wow. I'd gone through some abuse um, after that. And I never really had any counseling for any of that. I didn't mm-hmm. really deal with it properly. I don't know if the church knew, I don't know if church circles and even leadership circles really knew how to deal with it properly. Yeah, absolutely. And and it got to a point where I wasn't really giving my wife and kids what they needed emotionally. Right. I wasn't very alive in that in that way in a way that I probably needed to be or astute or whatever the word might be available, you know. Um, yeah. And so we took some time and that's kind of how we end up in California. We had came and had another sabbatical. Wow. And just some review for some review time and some f- time to take a year as a family and I still did some ministry and songwriting, mm-hmm. but I wasn't, tra- I wasn't traveling. Um, so that was quite a key time thinking like, am I going to still do a few events and make albums and things after this or, um, and that, and that's an interesting one because I've still got a long way to go. I've got a mm-hmm. lot. I mean, we all do, right. Um, but the more honest we are with ourselves, sometimes we realize I've got a long way to go in this. So I'm not. I'm definitely not presenting myself as, oh, Matt took a year out, and you know, and uh, yeah, what, you know, it's just it's part of the journey, and it was really important. Well, I've talked about it on this podcast before too, but that's similar to my journey. You know, taking a year off, and and I went and was a stay at home dad, and my wife went back to work, and yeah, I'm curious about California because that's where you're at now in Orange County, and you mentioned yeah. going there on sabbatical. What is it about, other than the weather and the beach? and great tacos and good food and all that stuff. Um, what is it about Orange County? Is there, is there a church, a pastor, a mentor that, that makes that a spot for you to, to reside and call home? Yes, we came here in 2001, and we had a really great season here, just a very special season. So when we decided if, uh, 15 years after that, let's have another sabbatical, we thought, let's go back to the same place. We know mm. people, churches, we know a school, have our kids and all this temporarily. And then what happened was after six months, we realized things are kind of clicking for us here. I'm not mm. traveling as much. Yeah. Um, there's lots to do around here. Um, as a family, we seem really settled. The kids are loving mm-hmm. school. And also we're at the church called Free Chapel. We'd known Jensen Franklin and his family for a decade. Yeah. So... So it's really a lot of things fell into place. And, but one thing I do love, um, there's just a, there's a really, some really special stuff going on around here. You've got Saddleback, mm-hmm. you've got Mariners, which is probably just as big as Saddleback. You've got Harvest with Greg Laurie. Mm-hmm. I did their Easter service online last week. Then you've got um, whole, where, where Calvary Chapel started, where the oh, video yeah. started. It's become kind of the Hillsong hub outside of yep. Sydney. Um, Hillsong's got their a, offices down there in Newport, and yeah, so it's really it's really interesting area to be in in terms of 
ministry and resourcing, but also collaboration. Yeah. You know, with all those people I've just mentioned, I've had the joy of songwriting or worship leading or, you know, dreaming up vision and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good things happening in Southern California. And, um, you know, I think, I think even during this time, um, especially to have a great community around. And it, it is true that, that technology has made it easier for us to be more aware of what's going on in other parts of the world. And, and it doesn't yeah. take, you know, two months for songs to make their way over here anymore or back yeah. the other way, right? Um, so what what is, other than having just put a new record out, which we'll talk about in a second, what has sort of been your your day-to-day life in the in the life of the Redmond family, either during this season of, of you know, this, quarantine this and lockdown? This pretty different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit different right now, but... This um, season I've become a homeschool principal. Oh, yes. Know, I'm a... Uh, I mean, I'm actually more like the homeschool IT guy. Like, Dad, my iPad's not working. Dad, Zoom's not working. Schoology's not working. Yeah, totally. That's most of my most of my day is is that. Um, so actually, it's been it's been we've got into a good little rhythm now. I think the first two weeks were pretty crazy. I I don't think I even opened an email for the first five days. I was probably we've got wise. Five, we got we got five kids, you know. And we got um, there's a there's a lot to attend to. Um, yeah, just generally, um, we're not traveling loads. We're doing a bit, um, but what I, I feel like the call to songwriting more than ever, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's what I love the most, and it ensures some really cool things. It ensures fellowship. It often ensures hanging out with people outside of your own stream, uh, and then there's the creative side, and it's just I, I love that I get to do that. And mm-hmm. and the funny thing is because we're in Orange County. Some people who I used to have to fly and go and songwrite with, they're coming to me now. Ah, oh, there you go. I'll come. I'll come and hang out there for a couple. Of yeah, days. I can do that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, there's a there's a Calvary Chapel there that I'll go. Um, when I was pastoring up in Canada, I would go lead there a couple times a year. And, oh yeah. And um, I would go. Oh, I just I just love that the honorarium's enough for me to to get a hotel, or a car, and a flight, and and take Fantastic. an extra two days by the beach. That's all I need. <laughs> It's 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 Fantastic. a nice little getaway. So I I echo what songwriters are saying, um, and that's actually exactly what I want to talk about next. The, the new album, Let There Be Wonder. Um, I uh, I love looking at the credits and seeing who's involved. And uh, you, you probably know you probably know most of those guys. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I go to the Belonging here in Nashville, so a lot of uh, those yeah. guys are are that's, here. That's half half the album right there. Josh Ex- and Jacob. Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah. And um, I noticed another writer on there because uh, I was listening to his album that just came out, and I heard the song. And I thought I've heard this song before, and his name's Corey Voss, who wrote. Um, yeah, is one of the, I think he's one of the writers in on Let There Be Wonder. That's right. Yeah, and um, he's just a gem of a human. But tell me a little bit about tell me a special moment about writing this album, and whether it be a co-write or an idea that you brought into a co-write. Tell me about a special moment that that brought a song to life yeah um maybe upon him would be one of them for me you know as a songwriter and a worship leader you're always trying to find new ways to sing about the cross like Mm -hmm. a fresh angle or fresh window and you know i've been doing this a long time but it's really amazing isn't it that there's still so much more you, you can get from that one event yeah and and you look through the hymn writers through the centuries i mean right 
William Cooper, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. You've got Isaac Watts, you know, when I survey, you've got, I mean, you've got just like so many windows and angles, angles onto the cross. Yeah. And I realized one day, um, this, work, this phrase upon him is interesting because I can attach a lot of the story using right. that, you know, upon his head, a crown of thorns, upon his heart, a broken world, um, you know, and uh, upon a hill, perfect saviour upon that day. Mm-hmm. I just realised, it's interesting, it's like a, sometimes we only think about musical hooks, but it felt like a lyrical hook. Right. And, and so, um, I had to, my, my son, I had to fly my son to Chicago to, for a soccer camp. Hmm. Uh, and so, my wife said, why don't you reach out to Andy Rosier Vertical, because we've been, we know each other, and we're hanging and writing a bit see if he's around to songwrite. Then you can take uh, Noah up to the soccer camp. And so, you can write it off so, as a, as a yeah, uh, tax write-off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. And, uh, you know, then you won't just be hanging around, nothing to do. And I thought, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, a great, it's a great idea. And um, so he, um, Andy pulls in John Guerra, who I'd never met, and mm-hmm. I think he's a wonderful guy and ama- amazing creative guy. And we just had this lovely moment where this, yeah. Yeah, I, I explained to them, you know, I've got a couple of lyrics around the word upon mm-hmm. and about the cross. And it was just a beautiful flow, just another one of those playground moments where everything was coming together real quick. And so, and, um, but I just love that. You can get in a room, one guy I'd known for a while, another guy I'd never even met mm. you know, with it, you know, and then, but you're, you're all on the same page so quickly. Yeah, and it's it's when I think about that, I think I think about sometimes it's the least suspected things that create some some of the best the best magic in in yeah. songs. And what I actually and then other times it's like, you know, well, yeah, of course you're going to write a great song when you have have those people in a room. Of course, of course you're going to come up with something and I I joke and when I was looking at the lyrics, I'm like or the credits of We Praise You. I go, Brandon Lake, Brian Johnson, Matt Redman, and Phil Wickham. It sounds like the starting <laughs> lineup at the All-Star game right there. That's funny. That, that's actually a good story as well because we were never once in the same room at the same time. That's so um, funny. We, so Brian and Jen and myself were guests at Phil Wickham's sing-along thing. You need his sing-along projects. And so Phil, Phil goes... Was that recorded? What was that like? Uh, like, like last, last year. Yeah, so it was. So we were hanging out, and so Phil says, "You know, I'm going to go and lead, and I'll call you guys up in like 45 minutes." Mm-hmm. And me and Brian are thinking, "Yeah, Phil's going to be enjoying himself so much. That's not going to be 45 minutes. It's going to yeah. be probably an hour and a half." So Brian says, "Why don't we write a song?" <laughs> and he already had this beginning starter thing with with Brandon, and so me and Brian took it somewhere. Then me and Brian and Brandon were texting, and then they were with Phil. I think the next week he jumped on, and then so the the song the the last kind of quarter of the song got finished on group text, which is still slightly weird to me. But um, I'm I'm old school. That feels strange. Yeah. But I love I love it that it's just four friends, you know, taking advantage of a little moment to to write together, and it and it, and it actually's been fantastic having I'm, I'm not great at writing the up-tempo stuff I've I've uh, in like 20 plus years there's not many that uh, 
I felt proud to lead. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I but, beg to but, differ. But, but this one, uh, it's, it's lovely having a, having a new, new song at that tempo. Oh, it's great. I think that's a, a great... A great song to actually close off this conversation with, and uh, and we'll play a little bit of that in a minute. But um, Matt, I just want to say thank you so much for taking time with us. And uh, people can get the new album "Let There Be Wonder." You can get it on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, wherever YouTube if you're cheap. Wherever you want to listen to it, you'll find it. Um, but make sure you check it out. Make sure you save it. Make sure you download it to your playlist and share it with a friend because um, I've been worshiping with this album for over a month now because I got a little bit early but it's out and you will love it and uh, this is my time with Matt Redman so Matt thanks for hanging out today pleasure great great to chat to you absolutely well this is the song We Praise You right here on Overflow Beyond the Music I'm your host Josh McCabe check it out we'll see you break down every wall we'll watch the giants fall fear cannot survive there you have it there's my conversation with matt redmond make sure you check out his brand new album called let there be wonder you can get it everywhere you will absolutely love it my favorite song on is probably let there be wonder uh i love uh we praise you as well it's great and so tons of great songs on it i've been listening to it over and over again over the last few weeks and you will absolutely love it so make sure that you go follow us online as well you know the drill at overflow btm facebook instagram twitter my name's Josh McCabe. This is Overflow Beyond the Music. We'll see you again next time. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giant.